I know that worship was encouraging for you today. And as we get into the message, I believe that this is gonna be helpful to you. Right now, a lot of you guys are probably doing what, what I've done a little bit of trying to pick up a new hobby. Cause we've all kind of acquired a little bit of extra time around the house, I think. And maybe you, you've tried something like this. I don't know if you're expecting when I start painting to see a masterpiece, but I wanna tell you that you should keep your expectations low <laughs> because this is not my gift. And in fact, whenever I try to paint happy little trees, I feel like it just looks like someone smeared a booger on my canvas. <laughs> like this, this is not, not really my thing. And I, maybe it's because the paintbrush isn't good enough. Like, or maybe it's the paint, or maybe the problem's the canvas. Like my supplies, like it, it can't be my fault or my skill's fault that my trees look like train wrecks. It, it's gotta be something wrong with this stuff. And I know that this philosophy of not being good at something isn't just applied to painting. I mean, golfers, guys on the golf course, you know this. Like, man, if I just had a better driver, that drive would have gone straight and it would have gone further. And that's true until you catch videos of certain pros taking a putter out of their bag and driving it 306 yards just for fun. The, the fact is, when someone has learned how to do something, the, the excuses of, oh, the, the equipment is the problem, it goes away. When someone has been taught how to do something, they can take even the cheapest of the Hobby Lobby paintbrushes and, and they can use it to create you know, the happiest little trees that you ever did see. However, whenever it's Paul painting, at least at this point in my life, I haven't allowed someone to teach me. I haven't spent the time of actually trying for this to be something that would be in my gift set. But the fact is, when you apply yourself, I know that whatever the hobby is, you, you can grow a lot if you have the right teacher. Our series is called The Signature of God because just like all great pieces of art, you can look at it and you just see within the way that it was made, which artist's hand has been on that canvas. You can tell by the colors used, by, by the way that the painting is structured. You can look at all these different pieces of it to say, okay, that is by Picasso or, or that is by Da Vinci. And I love Da Vinci's words about what a good pupil was like. He said, poor is the pupil who does not surpass his master. Because there's this reality that if you have the benefit of someone pouring into you, someone helping you, someone guiding you, someone developing the way that you do something, you should be able to accelerate past them. And that might sound like a strange thought, but it's true. A pupil who is applied, who is good, who studies hard, should excel past the master. And Jesus actually made a very similar statement to what our lives should look like. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 12, and we'll put this on the screen, it says, Jesus was speaking, and he said, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do, look at this, even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Jesus said that because he has set the example, because of our belief in him, he expects the church, his followers, those who are learning from him, to do even greater things than the things that he did. That is a huge, tall order. And I wanna tell you, 
in the days that we're living in right now, these biblical promises are still true. And right now, it feels like there's this attitude of, oh my goodness, everything's out of control. Is the church gonna make it through this time? Are we going to be able to just survive as a church? And I wanna tell you, I don't think that we're gonna be able to just survive as a church. I think we're gonna be able to thrive as a church. That right now, things are different, but they are not destroyed. Right now, we still have the capacity to be learning scripture. Right now, we still have the capacity to be loving our neighbor. Right now, with a simple click of a button, I can invite thousands of my friends to church to hear the message of the gospel. There is nothing happening right now that is impeding the growth and the maturity of the church. And as we look to Jesus as the example of how to walk through difficult times, how to walk through persecution, how to walk through challenges, we should learn from him how to walk through those times without fear. And I know that it seems like, okay, how do we do that? Well, we need to look at the way that he lived and we need to look at what scripture says about how we should be living. Our theme verse for this series comes from Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. And we're gonna bring this up on the screen. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now, the first week of the series, we talked about the fact that when God gets a hold of our life, he begins to turn us into a masterpiece, that we are created anew in Christ Jesus and transformation occurs. During week two, we we talked about freedom, the fact that freedom is found within God's boundaries. He does not want us to be enslaved to anything. And this week, we are going to look at the fact that he has created us to do good things that he planned for us long ago. And in fact, the the passage that we're going to use and really look at today, it uses the word harvest. And it uses the illustration of harvest. And I want to just say, I understand as I start to talk about this, you might question, how could we use this time to talk about harvest and about being fruitful? Because no matter what's going on in the world, nothing can get in the way of God's kingdom. No matter how difficult things are, God is still providing us opportunities and he says the harvest is great. The problem isn't the harvest. The question is where are the workers, the ones willing to get out there and do what they're called to do. Let's look at this passage together in the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, starting at verse two. And these were Jesus' instructions to them. The harvest is great but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now, it starts off and it says, the harvest is great. The harvest is expansive. The harvest is abundant. When you look over and it's using the imagery of the time to reap the crops from the field, it's painting this picture of acres upon acres of land more than just a few workers can handle. The harvest is great, it's expansive. The issue isn't the harvest. Even in these times, I wanna tell you, there's opportunity for harvest right now. 
It's been incredible to watch uh, just online as we're doing church together online and see, see people's grandmas coming in and worshiping with us and participating in it. Seeing friends from New Hampshire, from New England, from Ohio, from Indiana, all these different people coming together and worshiping together. People in our city have attended Gulfside Church online for the first time in these last few weeks. They'd never heard of us, but now they've found us and they're getting engaged. There is nothing that's happening right now in the world that is going to put an end to the movement of the church. The gospel will continue to move forward because the harvest is abundant. It's expansive. It's great. The problem isn't the harvest. The problem is our willingness to get to work. Right now, for our neighbor, for our families, for our coworkers, we need to be a source of hope because we believe firmly that God is going to see us through this. As we take the common sense steps that we need to take to improve the situation, as we walk with faith through this, we know that God is gonna show up and provide. We are more filled with hope than we are filled with fear and we need to let people see that. I wanna give you three statements today to remind yourself of to remind you this is the type of masterpiece that God's paint, God paints. This is the type of masterpiece that God paints. This is one of those signatures of God on someone's life that when you see this, you know this is coming from someone whose life has been touched from God. And the first one, we're gonna put it up on the screen. I will not fill my day with despair because I am filled with hope. This gets to that truth that we have a choice to make about what is going to occupy our mind and occupy our words. Are we going to let the worst case scenario direct our actions and our thoughts and our beliefs or are we going to stand firmly on the promises of God? Are we going to stand firmly uh, on reacting to these situations with a sound mind and that our community is gonna get through it? What kind of hope are we bringing to those around us? We we'll have to choose not to fill our day with despair because we, the hope is just overflowing. Right now, there are so many opportunities in this time. I know that there's things that are unknown, but there are just so many great opportunities. There are marriages that are going to be strengthened because of this time. And I understand that, you know, being trapped together in a house, it can be scary. Maybe you saw the funny video of the, the guy who's about my age explaining to his parents who are a little bit older about COVID-19 and what it's gonna mean for them. And he begins to explain, we have two options. Option A is we can lock you guys both just alone together in the house for the next month or two. And before he can finish the sentence, his mom says, option B, I'll take option B. <laughs> Whatever it is, I'll take it. I understand being trapped all together in the house right now, it presents some challenges, but it presents some opportunities that can change your marriage, change your family, because you begin to finally lean into the things that are important. Giving your family distraction-free time where, where they have your attention and you have theirs. You, you guys need to dive into God's word together. Begin to pray together as a family. And I'm so glad that you're choosing to worship together right now, wherever you are. This has, a, has the opportunity to change the way our families have been operating. And I think that that is something that is good that we can take from all of this craziness. There is harvest opportunity in this time. Right now, you have the opportunity to do great things with your kids if you've got them in the house still. Play games with them. Maybe not Monopoly, maybe not Uno. Draw four cards, have wrecked lives for a little bit. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm kidding. But we have to find those times where we're doing things together because we have to look at, okay, this is the situation we're in. How can we make a harvest out of this? 
What can be fruitful about the fact that we're together? Let's learn how to make meals together again. Let's learn how to just quiet the house down and just be with each other again. Let's learn how to teach our kids about the hope that we have in Christ. The fact that we are his children and if his eye is on the sparrow and meeting their needs, he's gonna meet ours as well. We have to get to that place where we are choosing not to see the despair, but we're choosing to see the hope. Because whatever we fill our eyes and our mind with and whatever holds our attention, it's gonna flow out of us onto our kids, onto our neighbors, and we have a choice about where we pour ourselves into. Let me illustrate it to you like this. So let's just say the water in this pitcher, let's just say the water in this pitcher represents your time and your energy for one day. You have enough time and energy to do the things, to fill up the things that really matter. Let's say this one represents your work life. You have enough time in your day to get the things done from home that you need to do for work, and you can fill that up. Let's say that this one represents your spouse. Don't read into the fact that it looks like a huge shot glass. It is not a shot glass, it is a vase, all right? Let's say you have enough time and energy to pour into them what you need. We'll say this one represents your health. You have enough time to pour into that what you need to. And there's so many other things. There's your kids that you need to pour into. There's your own relaxation. There's your, your spiritual life that you need to pour into. And there's enough here to fill those things until this last one that you see the capacity for this is a little bit greater, it can suck up more of your time. We're gonna say that this one represents worry. You have enough here for your kids, you have enough here for your spiritual life, you have enough here for your mental health, but if you begin to pour into the wrong thing, and you begin to invest your time in worrying and stressing, you're gonna find that the energy and the hours and the time is gonna be now I have to I have to pick something that gets left out. It could be my spiritual life, it could be one of my kids, but I don't, I don't wanna cheat my kids, but I've, I've already given so much, so I'm gonna put a little bit in to each kid and just, I mean, that's just gonna to have to be enough to, to today because today was a hard day, today was a stressful day. I put a lot of myself in stress today. But I wanna tell you, when we pour ourselves into stress, all we're doing is we're stealing from other things that matter. When we waste our time on things that, that won't make a difference in this world and in the, in, in the kingdom of God, we're losing this. But if we choose, okay, I'm not gonna let stress and worry steal from me. If in my day, I'm gonna make sure that I fill up the things that matter first, my kids, that at the very beginning of the day, really what I should have done is I should have started here in my spiritual life and I should have filled that up first. And you're gonna find you have enough to go everywhere that it's supposed to go if I pour myself into the right things. So church, in this season, I understand it's easy to get sucked in to worry and to anxiety and fear. But we don't have to worry because we know that God is gonna see us through this. We know that even when everywhere around us people are screaming famine and fear, we know because of our trust in God that God is gonna carry us through this. And it's not that it won't be difficult, it's not that it won't be hard at times, 
But we have the eyes to see that in the midst of this difficulty, there is a harvest that can be reaped. Right now might be a time that saves your marriage. You, you might right now, because everything else has been taken off the table and so many distractions have been removed, you might right now recognize, I have the opportunity to pour my life back into my spouse. The workers are few because our priorities have been so misplaced. We have so many people that I understand at one point you were hurt by the church in a very real way, but you've been on the injured reserve for a really long time. And you keep saying to yourself, when I get over this, I'm gonna get back into the church. I'm gonna get back into serving. And I wanna tell you, part of the healing process is choosing to go out to the field and work. Part of the healing process of getting over the past hurt that you experienced in a church is experiencing something healthy in a church and actually serving. We were designed not to just receive, but to be givers as well. And we've got so many people that say, I've just been hurting for so long, I've been afraid to get back in. We've gotta take that step. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. We also have this category of people who say, you know what, I feel like I should be working and helping and serving at the church, but I just need to, I need to learn a little bit more. I need to know a little bit more. I need to just gather some more information and once I know enough, then I'm going to get involved in serving and helping around the church. When we talk about spiritual depth and growth, I'm gonna tell you, obedience always comes with the knowledge. If it's just knowledge, what scripture tells us is knowledge just puffs us up. It just makes us arrogant. When, we're, when we just have the knowledge but we're missing the application phase of it, when you really learn about the goodness and the faithfulness of God is when you actually learn, if I take this step out and follow it, I can trust his word. There's this, this beautiful intersection of learning and applying and we need both and service is where that is applied. We, we have to be people who are willing to go work because if we're just learning things but never applying them, then we're missing the blessing of getting to see God do incredible things. We, we serve because that it grows our faith because we get to watch God show up. And, and another category of people who say, you know what, I know enough to serve and, and I'm over any past hurt or I've never been hurt by the church and I'm gonna serve, but man, just things are just so crazy right now. I'll get to that later. And if you have been a child or you have children, you've been part of the conversation of, you know, hey, I need you to go do this. I need you to go clean your room. And they say, okay, I will in just five minutes. Five minutes later, hey, I need you to go do this. Oh, I, I will, I really will. I just, a couple minutes, five hours later, I need you to go do this. I'm gonna get right to that. Five days later, why haven't you done it yet? <laughs> Well, I've been meaning to, and it's like that's almost been our philosophy of why we're not engaged in helping at the church or serving our city. It's like, oh, we really mean to do it, but it just keeps getting put off. And so the workers are few. Hear my heart on this. God loves you. You are his child if you're a believer in Christ but he calls you to serve because you were designed to serve, because it's good for you, it's good for your heart, and because there is a city around you that desperately needs the hope of Christ that lives in you. It's not just about you. There is a mission that we are a part of, something that has to be accomplished, and this is something that we as a church can never forget about. Our mission statement as a church is Gulfside Church exists to help people know God, find community, discover their purpose, and make a difference. That, that hope that is found in knowing God 
our city, especially right now, they're crying out for it. Because all the things that they've placed their faith and their life into, all of these things that, that don't matter, they, they've all been wrecked. All of the sports have been stopped. The markets have crashed. Their money is seemingly gone for now. There's so many things that they made their life about that have just been silenced and it's beginning to wake up their heart in their head to the fact that there is more to this life than just those things. That there is more to this life than just this life. That what happens after we die, die matters. And in fact, more importantly than what happens after our die, the way that we live right now matters. Because when our hope is placed in Christ, it changes our life today, not just in the future. And so we have to stop making the excuses. We have to put away the distractions. We have to become the people who are the workers because the workers are few and the harvest is abundant and we can't miss these opportunities. It's a challenging time that we're in right now, but it is filled with opportunities. And so this second statement that I want you to remind yourself of, we're going to bring up on the screen. It says, I will not fill my day with worry because I have great work to accomplish. I will not let worry take the place of the great work that I am called to. You have a beautiful opportunity. Don't let fear and anxiety and worry pull you away from it. And in fact, I believe that it's part of the cure for those things. When we feel like there's just too much weight on our shoulders, just a simple act of service to someone else can move that out of our attention, move it out of our heart and our head and get us back on the purpose that God has called us to. So the third part of the passage says to ask the Lord of the harvest to send more workers. Now this is a beautiful point because it sends us towards prayer and it sends us towards the need that more people need to get involved in this. And it's a beautiful thing when we begin to see the church of God rise up and serving the city. If the church was doing what we were supposed to be doing, if we were fulfilling our biblical mandates that were taught in scripture, I'm going to tell you, there are a lot of things in our city that would change. No one would need to apply for food stamps because the church would be taking care of their neighbors already. We need to ask God to send more workers out into the field. We need to ask God to burden our hearts for the needs of the people around us. This has to be something that starts here, that is led here, that as other people watch the way that you are living your life, it compels them to take steps forward in the way that they care for other people. This prayer, God send more workers. Why is it so easy to ask God to send more workers, but it creates this, it creates this small stress response inside of me when I ask God, will you send me? Why is it easier to say, God, send someone else, but God, would you break my heart? God, there's opportunities all around me. Would you help me to grab a hold of them? Look, I hope that it bothers you when you walk through the grocery parking lot that you see gloves on the ground. But I hope that it bothers you enough that you decide to go and pick them up without complaining about it. I hope that it bothers you that, that there's people who need food. But I hope that it bothers you enough that you choose to cook a meal rather than complain about it. I hope that it bothers you that there are people who are homeless in our city. But I hope that it leads you to help provide shelter for someone rather than just complain about it. We need more workers and we need the work to start with us because there are too few workers in this field and there is such an expansive harvest available to us. We have to choose to step up. I'm gonna say it this way with my third point. I will not fill my day with frustration because I can make a difference. 
I know this. I know that it's, we look around and there's things that I shouldn't have to do for other people. And it just makes me get all angry and frustrated inside. But instead of letting that frustration lead us towards anxiety and anger, let's use that to compel us towards faith and action. Let's see each one of these challenges as opportunities where I can put the love of Christ on display. Because you know what? We did not deserve the grace that God poured out for us. We did not deserve the grace that was given to us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. While we were still enemies, Christ died for us. And it is such a beautiful example of that love when we choose to serve and get nothing back in response. Where only God knows what we have done. We didn't have to post about it on Facebook that we put the carts back in the stall. We didn't have to post about it on Facebook that we picked the gloves up off the ground and threw them away for the adults that should have known better. But we just chose in this small way, I'm going to honor Christ. And instead of just feeling frustrated, I'm going to work for the kingdom. I'm going to show love. To be a worker is to be more than just a fan. Today is Palm Sunday. And as Jesus entered into the city, there was just rows and rows of people celebrating his entry, celebrating the day. But very few of them were workers. And when things got difficult, they all scattered. Now look, this isn't meant to be heavy on you, but this is just meant for, to be a reality check. Do I have more in common with the disciples who served Christ? And after his resurrection, lived their life for him? Or do I have more in common with the people who were lining the street, celebrating Christ, but then never coming back to him again? Am I a worker or am I a fan? Because our city, our country, our churches, they desperately need workers. Because you do have a gift. You do have the ability to make a difference. God has placed in you the ability to influence others. And he has positioned you near family members, neighbors, and coworkers that he wants his hope to move through you into them. But we can choose. Will I let worry, anxiety, fear, and frustration take all of my communication, take all of my energy from the day? Or will I choose faith instead? Will I choose hope instead? I want you to wake up to the opportunities that are all around you. That if you have felt overcome with the difficulties that are around you, I want you to push those off and wake up to what God wants you to do in this moment. How can I honor him in this day? How can I make him great in the eyes of my children, in the eyes of my spouse, in the eyes of my neighbor? How can I glorify God today through the small and through the large? I want to encourage you. We need to wake up to the opportunities that are all around us right now. And I don't want us to be a church that hears this message and says, that is great content and information and I enjoyed listening to it. That's not what I want. I want us to be a church that hears this information and chooses to take action. 
that we will not sit idly by. We will not be a victim to the circumstances of these times, but we will be workers in the field because we see that the harvest is ripe all around us. That our neighbors, they have opportunities for us to show them love. And we're gonna step into these. That our children, we're gonna make this time precious with them. That we're gonna fall deeper and deeper in love with our spouse. That we're gonna fall deeper and deeper in love with our savior through the actions and the steps that we take because of what he's taught us in scripture. We could just sit here. We could sit through this time. We could sit through this quarantine and just be a suffering survivor. But we are called to be victorious through this time, to seize opportunities, to see the kingdom of God move. But it will take steps of action. So church, find them. Look for them. The harvest is all around you. We can make a difference. We can be victorious in this time if we choose to grab a hold of these opportunities.